Where do LinkedIn ads fit into your overall marketing mix? With AJ Wilcox. The Strategic Marketing Show is brought to you by Insights for Professionals, providing access to the latest industry insights from trusted brands, all in a customized, tailored experience. Find out more over at insightsforprofessionals.com. Hey, it's David. Is your brand currently using LinkedIn ads? Maybe you're considering LinkedIn ads, but you haven't quite hit the publish button yet. Today, we're discussing why you should be using LinkedIn ads and where LinkedIn ads should fit into your overall marketing mix. With a man who's managed over $150 million of ad spend on the platform. He's host of the LinkedIn ad show and founder of B2B2Linked, a LinkedIn ads specific agency that he started back in 2014. A warm welcome to this strategic marketing show, AJ Wilcox. Thanks so much, David. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, great to have you on, AJ. Well, you can find AJ over at b2linked.com. So AJ, why LinkedIn ads? Well, I think it really comes down to the audience that it's able to target. Um, For us in business to business, it's really difficult to find any channel that allows us to hit our ideal target audience. And so LinkedIn really stands on its own here. If I think about any other way of reaching them, you know, with search channels, you're waiting for people to come and search for your keyword, but you have no way to qualify and make sure that they're the right person or represent the right kind of company. Facebook is fantastic, but it only understands people from a B2C perspective. As a consumer, it doesn't understand who they are professionally. And so you start to scale up there and you find it's reaching people and you have to disqualify 95% of them in your sales funnel. So LinkedIn really comes down to being like a sniper rifle, being able to laser target the exact right people. Understood. Okay. So what you're saying is B2B people are on Facebook, but the targeting on Facebook means that it's actually difficult to display an ad directly to them. So because of that, the hyper-targeting available on LinkedIn ads may, may make it more appropriate. Exactly. I mean, I believe the right B2B people are on every platform. They're they're on TikTok, they're on Instagram, they're on Facebook. But with your with you as an advertiser, reliably targeting those exact people is it's it's near impossible because the platform doesn't cater itself to a, a business to business audience. LinkedIn is the only one who does, and they charge quite the premium for for that ability. But that's the reason we pay that premium is for that crazy targeting. Okay, so you pay a premium. Does that mean that LinkedIn ads are only appropriate for uh, bottom of funnel, immediate call to action, something that would likely result in a sale reasonably soon? Or can we use LinkedIn ads for top of funnel as well? I think it really should be used at all parts of the funnel. You're right. The costs are high. And so like, I like to talk about LinkedIn, like it's, it's more of a maybe middle of funnel type of platform, but it, it costs like a bottom of funnel. But because LinkedIn is a, a type of display advertising, display people, because they're not searching actively for what it is you do, they're not ready to make a purchase decision. They're not ready to make a commitment yet. So most of the time, I, I love LinkedIn for bottom of funnel when we're using it for retargeting. It's because we've already warmed them up. They've already interacted with our brand in some other way that we've been able to track and measure. Um, but I love middle of funnel because it's so good at making sure that we're hitting people who feel your pain point. Like if you have software that makes your job easier for HR people, for instance, we can make sure that only HR people are seeing the ad. So it's great for, for middle of funnel and people are willing to fill out forms to get stuff that they want. 
Um, it's pretty good for top of funnel as well, because you can be so specific about who's seeing your ads. You can make sure that like you're getting your brand in front of the right people. It just, it is very expensive for top of funnel, but when you combine it all together into like one, one steady and strategic sequence, uh, it, it all evens out really well. So if um, a listener is a marketer within a large organization working for a brand that has a fairly long sales cycle, um, ideally, where are the touch points where LinkedIn ads would work really well? Uh, are we talking about, for, for instance, discovery being on organic search, um, driving people to some kind of lead capture, and then uh, retargeting people on, on LinkedIn ads um, in middle of funnel, as you, as you suggested? I think it's kind of flipped a little bit um, for, for just discovery, for letting people know in your target audience that your brand exists and what you do. LinkedIn's so good at that because you can let someone know and you know that this is someone who feels your pain point. So you can let them know that your brand exists. So I think that discovery really works well starting on LinkedIn and then ensuring that you have retargeting set up, ensuring that you are bidding on the proper keywords, ensuring that you are on other platforms so that when they then go to those other platforms and check you out or encounter you, they're, they're much more likely to, to feel like you're legit and, and it's worth pursuing. So I, I, like, I like LinkedIn to play that initial introducing you to the brand phase. Um, it just so happens to... to have really good retargeting now that as of like a year ago, they didn't, uh, but now it has really good on-platform retargeting. So I think it can play both, both roles really well. Does it have good um, off-platform retargeting as well? I mean, can, can you use a LinkedIn script on your own website to then retarget people on LinkedIn? They do have the script. They call it LinkedIn website retargeting, but it's not very good. Uh, it's a hundred percent reliant on cookies. And we know like right now, all Apple devices don't, reliably carry that cookie. Um, so there goes half of your audience. If you're in North America, um, we know Chrome by the, by mid 2023. So, you know, within a year, isn't going to carry that cookie either. So I'm not quite sure what to do or, or what's going to happen with off, off website retargeting. Um, but at least when you're on LinkedIn, we now have really reliable targeting. Okay. Okay. So, so maybe a campaign looking at discoveries to begin with, like you're talking about, and then retargeting them with a, a stronger brand call to action, then getting them on your website uh, with a view to um, um, building an email list from there, I guess. Yeah, I think so. There's also LinkedIn's native lead gen forms that work really well. So if you don't have a great you know, lead generation landing page on your website or, or someplace to send them, you can have the form populate right within the ad. And they tend to convert two to three times better than a landing page would. So we have a lot of clients who are using those as well. So going back to the discovery aspect of it, uh, what does great effective creative for the discovery phase look like? Um, are we talking about something like um, if you regularly do a video podcast, perhaps actually taking a segment of that and adding captions to it and then sharing that in LinkedIn? Is, is, is that a nice ad or are you talking about actually something that's more brand and product specific? I think it depends on the brand, depends on the audience and where they're at in the funnel. Uh, but you know, initially I would say the video ads on LinkedIn tend to be about 20% more expensive than static image. So if you happen to have good video creative that you want to test, it, it's a good platform for it. But I generally like to test with static image and, and copy first. But if you do video, 
the key is that people on LinkedIn are in a hurry. They're scrolling through their newsfeed for information and they're not usually there to be entertained. So you have to get their attention within the first second. So you never want a video fading from black because you're just wasting all of your, your time for that initial hook. Uh, something like a podcast episode, a little interesting snippet with captions could work really well. Uh, so could you know, a, an image of a, of a person or an image of a, you know, some sort of a, a, an ebook or something. And you're saying by downloading this ebook, this is what you're going to learn. Uh, they can all perform really well, but I would probably start static image just because the cost is a little bit better. Interesting. Okay. Because my initial thoughts were perhaps video because I'm finding that um, from an organic perspective, publishing video tends to gather more engagement, um, likes, um, people commenting on the, on, the, on the post and probably not so much with static. But um, with the costs being 20% higher for video, does that mean that um, you may actually get 20% better conversion rate from video or not necessarily? Potentially. And that's the magic of video is that you know, you can watch me for two minutes and feel like you already know, like, and trust me better than if you downloaded five of my white, my white papers, you know? So video really does play an important part in, in communicating emotion. And if, if used correctly, I, I think that's accurate. We probably pay 20% more for the click, but your conversion rate should be at least 20%, if not higher when done correctly. So, so what are the metrics to keep an eye on? Um, to demonstrate LinkedIn ads success? I think your very first line of defense really is your click-through rate. Uh, I like to picture that when someone, when you're trying to get someone to take a, a conversion action, you really have two hurdles to get over. The first hurdle is you're showing an ad and you need someone to click on it. Then once they've clicked, you need them to convert. So that first hurdle is your click-through rate. We know that LinkedIn's average click-through rate on, on a sponsored content ad, that's the newsfeed ads, is around 0.45%. So if you launch an ad and you are well above that, that's a pat on the back to you. Like, oh, okay, it looks like we're flying over this first hurdle. Our ads are engaging. That's what I can tell myself. If you're under that, you might say, oh, our ad creative is not getting people's attention. Maybe we're not hitting that pain point we need to. The next one, obviously, is conversion rate. That's a great metric to be aware of. Yeah, the next one being conversion rate is, you know, once they've clicked, now we want to see at what rate are we actually getting them to take action. And that one is, it's getting harder to track without cookies. Um, you know, there is conversion tracking on, on every platform. LinkedIn is, is similar there. Uh, it's a lot better if you're using their native lead gen forms because then conversion tracking is, is just automatic. Um, LinkedIn knows exactly who and when someone you know, filled out that form. But that's how I would tell you know, we've shown them the message to get them interested. Are we showing them enough to get them to actually want to convert, to get them over that hump of providing information, becoming a lead? Um, it depends on the kind of call to action too. If, if your call to action is something like download this free piece of content, I expect to see conversion rates in, in excess of 15%. Uh, but if you're asking someone to do something high friction, like talk to sales, get a demo, take a free trial, buy something, then we expect conversion rate to be somewhere between about one and a half to 3%. Okay. Okay. So what types of brands are doing really well with LinkedIn ads at the moment? Do you have a specific case study that you can perhaps share just to demonstrate um, what um, a brand has done successfully with LinkedIn ads recently? Yeah. Uh, one I want to point out is a company called Bamboo HR. 
uh, here in the U.S. It's it's a company who focuses a um, it's a SaaS solution for senior HR leaders. They want to be the platform that that companies come to recruit talent and manage their internal workforce and and all of that. So you can imagine they're really only interested in getting in front of HR people. And so if, if they wouldn't put a billboard up on the freeway to try to reach people, maybe one in 300 is an HR person. You know, it, it's, it's not very reliable. So they came to us for LinkedIn ads. They understood the value of making sure they're getting in front of just HR people, and not wasting impressions on, on anyone else. And what was so funny is for the first like three months of working with them, they, they had eBooks, they had guides, they had this kind of stuff. Uh, for us to to pitch, we also tried very bottom of the funnel, like you know, get a demo. But we couldn't get any of it to work. Uh, we, we we were struggling to get conversion rates anywhere above like two or three percent, even though we were offering content. Uh, it, it just it wasn't working. We were fighting to get any cost per conversion under like one hundred and twenty seven dollars, and I thought for sure we were going to lose the client. What was so interesting is. Overnight, without warning, they came to us and they said, hey, by the way, we just released this new piece of content. It's called The Ultimate Guide to Onboarding. And I didn't know at the time because I'm not super well-versed in HR. Onboarding was really a a big topic in HR. There were so many companies who were having trouble making sure that that their new employees had a great experience coming on. So they'd want to stay longer and and stay engaged. And this this guide, I, I think we can talk about why, but this guide for, uh, for a bunch of reasons, it defied all of my expectations. It took our click-through rates to three times the average. Our conversion rates doubled from where they were at. And we ended up getting costs per lead down in the twenties of dollars range. And uh, we've seen assets that do that. The stark contrast was very interesting, but what was even more interesting is that for six months, we couldn't dethrone that, that ad. Like we had launched that ad with that offer. And then after it had kind of run its course and we could see performance start to decline a little bit, we would turn it off and try to replace it with something else. Nothing outperformed it for six months. So I, I think it really punctuates the value of, you know, it's not the fact of whether or not you have content for people to download. Uh, it's really, does that content hit on a, an issue that they care about? Is it, teaching them something that they're dying to know. We talk about having a migraine problem versus a headache problem. If your content solves a migraine problem, that's going to get people to take action. If it solves a headache problem, you can work through a headache. But migraine, it's kind of stop the presses. I can't go to work today. I love that. I think that's a lot of great advice there. Uh, If you've got a specific job title of someone that you want to target, then absolutely give LinkedIn ads a go. But um, if you've got content that is likely to highly resonate with that target audience, then then th- that that's the way to go by the sound of it. And also split test as well. Uh, are you able to quite easily split test different calls to action, different content, just to see what's performing the best? It's a little harder to split test on LinkedIn. Um, for the last four years, LinkedIn have told me that they're coming out with a split testing tool. And it was in alpha for a little while. I don't think it performed very well. Uh, right now, we really have two options for bidding. I mean, much like Google ads back in the day, uh, but we can either optimize our creative for click-through rate, which is what I recommend and what they recommend. And I can explain why. 
The other option is um, rotate your creative evenly. So a lot of split testers say, well, of course I want to you know, rotate my creative evenly so that I can get even exposure and see which one's outperforming. What we've figured out is that it doesn't actually show your ad evenly. What it does is it enters both into the auction evenly, but because one is going to perform better than the other, the one that doesn't perform as well, it gets entered into the auction just as many times, but it loses auctions more. So it doesn't show very often. And the times that it does win the auction, it's at a higher cost because it's not as good of a performer. So when we switch over to that, I call it the charge me more and show me less button. Uh, it's, it's not great. So what we do to, to combat this is we actually end up running that same A-B test on optimize, uh, optimize for click-through rate, but we run it across multiple campaigns. So in any one campaign, you can have an aberration, but if you have the same test running in four or five different audience segments, now you can be a lot more confident in the result. And so that's how we A-B test. Superb. And just one final thought, actually. If split testing's not really there, not, not, not really great, then surely you've got to do your own audience testing to begin with, ideally, before you actually start publishing ads. Um, so how about running something like a little audience focus group on who the ad is targeted at and talk about what kind of content is likely to resonate with them and build content around that. Is, is that something you'd suggest? I actually really like using LinkedIn ads for market research because anytime you gather a focus group, you're, it takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of time. It takes hiring expertise. And even still, when you ask a human, why did you make this decision? Their response, they emotionally made a decision and now they're trying to put into logic why they did. That's not, that's not usually why. But I could take an A-B test and say, we have one ad that makes them feel like the hero and one ad that's warning them, if you don't do this, you're going to get punished. And if I run both of those ads to, uh, let's say we run them to a segment of managers and another segment of directors, another of VPs, and maybe one of CMOs, what we can find is based off of which ad got the engagement in each of those, those different seniority levels, we start to learn about what it is that that seniority cares about. So that would be my preference is actually put a little bit of money towards running an A-B test on LinkedIn. Um, you know, maybe it's $100, maybe it's $1,000, whatever. I think you can learn more about user behavior just testing using the platform. There are cheaper ways. You can, you can test you know, by posting content organically on LinkedIn and watch who is interacting with it. But the problem with organic is you're not controlling who it is, who's seeing. So it's a much wider audience. Whereas with ads, we can be very precise. So let's move on from what works now to planning for the future. In your opinion, what is the biggest marketing trend or challenge for marketers over the coming year? I have to say, and I, I don't know how many are familiar with the term cookie apocalypse, but so many of us have heard about cookies going away. Uh, you know, the last couple of years, Apple has waged war against cookies. So now, like we talked about, Apple devices don't reliably carry a third-party cookie which makes things like retargeting, um, even conversion tracking difficult. And then we know that within the next year, Chrome is going to do the same thing. And so there goes pretty much all of, our, all of our cookies. A lot of marketers are having troubles with what does this do for their data? You know, analytics is a lot less accurate. We don't know what the impact is on analytics. But there are two kinds of marketers who I think can be relatively unaffected. That's e-commerce marketers and in B2B. And 
the reason why I say that these are not often lumped together, but the reason why I say that they, they can be unaffected is that in e-commerce, you have impressions, you have clicks, and then you have the purchase. There, there's no refuting whether or not someone put something in their cart and checked out whether or not they have a cookie. You, you have money in your account. So it's really easy to, to figure out what your return on investment is. In B2B, we may lose conversion tracking inside the platform, having a little number increment and say, you got a conversion. But what we do have, if we're doing it right, all of that data, when someone fills out a form, goes into the CRM. And there's no refuting that there is a record in the CRM because someone filled out a form. So we don't need to rely on any platform to, to guess or estimate how many conversions we should have had given that spend. Like We actually know. So what that means is us as marketers, we need to get more technical by making sure that we have data flowing into a CRM. It means we need to then combine our CRM data with our ad performance data, figure out how to use that for reporting so that we can see what is our cost per marketing qualified lead, our cost per sales qualified lead. And you can trace all the way down to return on investment. Over the last several years, I've seen marketers getting more and more technical and adept with data. That's where we need to be. And losing the cookie is uh, you know, the swift kick in the butt that I think some marketers need to make sure, like stop all the presses. We need the CRM connection in B2B. I've been your host, David Bain. You can find AJ Wilcox over at b2linked.com. AJ, thanks so much for being on this strategic marketing show. You bet, David. Have an awesome one. And thank you for listening. Here at IFP, our goal is simple. To connect you with the most relevant information to help solve your business problems all in one place. Insightsforprofessionals.com.